Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bali Effect. This is Preeti Tana. And this is Dee Dee Perry. What's up, Dee? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> no. What, no. Can you, you know, it felt really, it felt really good to say that. It's, it's one of those things that it didn't occur to me how much I miss saying welcome to the Bali Effect, but it feels so good to say it. It, act, it felt wonderful to hear you say it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sincerely. And I, at the same time, those three words, <laughs> we don't have the next 10 hours. What's up? Yeah. But here we are, Preeti. Here we are. It's six been, months. Yeah. Six months later since our last podcast. It has been a minute. But it also, I was... I was so, I was like, I don't know if I remember how to do this. I don't know what this is going to be like. But I know I was a little nervous, but I think that's the beauty of uh, connection and, and just trying, you know, and, and sort of, because I know we went through, I don't know if I, if I felt as though I was a hundred percent going to do this anymore. You know, I don't know if I even thought about it in terms of doing or not doing. And so I think that, of course, we're nervous. I think it's, it's, you know, we were in such a groove. We were in our second season and we uh, really hit our stride and we had some phenomenal guests, you know, that one of the proud moments, I think, for me, um, at least mostly through 2020, is doing the podcast because you know how everyone else was, uh, I don't know what they were doing, baking bread and you know, learning five languages and being all cute on Instagram. I, you know, I felt, I felt really good about having important, controversial, sometimes uh, intelligent, funny conversations with people throughout the year. You know, I think people really were so generous with their time. Uh, And, and, and maybe we didn't feel it during, but now, you know, I, it feels like such an incredible hardship those that last year. And so to think of that, we had a weekly, you know, hour, hour and a half where people were popping on and we were having good conversations that, you know, I feel good about it. I feel good about that work. I didn't realize until that momentum stopped how much it was truly helping to get me through yeah. the, the, the stress and the pain of the pandemic's yep. initial months, because mm-hmm. It hit, you know, in like March, and then we we kept going because we had just started back. Um, I was looking back over our roster and how we had just interviewed Justin, and that was like a, the week of the shutdown mm-hmm. happening, like a few days later in New York City. And listening back to that episode, I feel so s- stupid because. <laughs> I basically said something to the effect of, oh, this hysteria, you know, my nose is running and I, I don't have the virus because whatever, people are just getting all upset about it and everybody thinks everything is COVID, blah, blah, famous last words, right? Well, you showed up with the green juice that day. I remember you, I remember you saying you weren't feeling well and we actually weren't sure if Justin was going to show up, you know, and I think the weekend before I was in Vermont with my sister-in-law, you know, in a house full of people, we were just talking about that last weekend, how we just, we were so blissfully unaware. Mm -hmm. And at that point we're, you know, that was the second week of March. So the virus had been, had spread pretty significantly, um, 
in other countries, we just hadn't clued into what to do about it. You know, I think we were just, um, but I, th- I really, I'm so grateful for that ignorance, for sure. really. For sure. And, and so much of time got just flipped on its head <laughs> when the world shut down, when the country shut down, when all we could do was stay in at home and try to figure out how to orchestrate the the chaos of, of our lives, of working, of survival, of yeah. so much loss, so much illness. And you're absolutely right. Having a project based entirely on passion, you know, it's not something that that we were getting paid to do. It's not something that anybody else was asking us to do, but just because we love to do it, mm-hmm. it was an anchor for me. And, and I felt kind of lost in, yeah. in recent months, not, not having that. And so I'm grateful right now for this moment, because it, it feels like I'm putting on a favorite pair of like, old jeans or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, they still fit. Okay. Okay. This is cool. This is cool. Um, I put on a few pounds, but that's all right. They still feel good. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it still works. And it's, they're still comfortable. This, this setup is still a comfortable one. And, and I didn't know, I didn't know if we were ever going to do this again. Yeah. And so here we are, my mm-hmm. darling, here we are. Um, I, Typically, as you know, I have some sort of question or something for you, but I think that just for this time that we have together, um, you can be and I will be as vague or as specific Mm. uh, as as feels appropriate um, to anybody who's even turning into listening (laughs) to this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your patience. Preeti, um, I don't even know where to begin. Mm. Um, I will say this. Uh, we had a conversation recently where you expressed uh, a willingness to get back into this setting and, and yeah. do a, a conversation and record it. Um, so I guess what would you what are you what do you feel comfortable um, discussing about? what we've been up to the last six months. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm usually pretty open and honest and and felt comfortable enough to talk about, you know, the past six months and certainly the the catalyst for taking, if you will, a little bit of a break. But, um, you know, I my father passed away in December, December 21st, and he had been sick um, for a few years, you know, sort of declining health, um, you know, um, he had Parkinson's and, and, and just, it was, it was a combination of things that ultimately led to, you know, him, him moving on from, from this world. But, um, you know, there's so much happened, uh, at the end of the year, right? So we were collectively all grieving something of a loss, truly. Um, you know, my father passed, I, I, uh, ended a career that was happening in the moment, or I would say that current situation, I moved departments. And so there was very much a um, a complete shutdown, if you will, of, of truly the life that I had known. And I, I, 
you know, as we were talking about the podcast and how much we loved it last year and all of our wonderful guests and, you know, the creativity that comes with um, even editing and the post of, of a podcast. And uh, I, I really, really felt as though I, I got into a groove of life, you know, and it had taken me a long time to, to uh, anchor myself in, in some sort of feeling of, okay, you know, I, I, I'm grounded in what my life is and what it represents and, and how I move forward. And so, you know, for me, it very much felt as though somebody had come in and said, okay, well, that's, we're, we're done with this version. You know, like, you know, you had, it was a wonderful game. All the players were great. And you, you, of course, challenges arose like anyone else's life, but all of a sudden I was, I was, given the directive, you know, it felt like that the game's over and, you know, key players gone and you have to figure out what to do, you know, and in saying all of this, there's an immense feeling of gratitude, truly. I don't use that word lightly because the time is allowing me to figure out how to emerge. Right. And, and I think we talked about this. I didn't feel ready to really do anything until about two weeks ago, you know, and, you know, yes, there, there, I have done things, obviously, I have spent time with my family, uh, we spend time as a family together, I have, um, but you know what, that's it, I've, I've read a lot of books, I took my first trip, um, I stayed connected to, to some people, but you and I didn't even have, you know, a connection, it, it was just sort of, I just couldn't em- embrace or allow, um, myself to re-engage with anything that was happening, you know, um, when my father passed. And so, you know, that's obviously grief and it, it's grief in and of itself is just, you know, complete shit show. I, I, I got it. I don't, I don't, I think it's something you hear about if you've, if you've not gone through it or not experienced it, it's sort of over there, but that's how it felt to me. You know, it was, it was not in my life. It was in other people's lives, um, but it wasn't in mine. And so um, as, as I approach six, the six month, you know, six months tomorrow that he's been gone, it it is definitely a little easier to, to breathe and to, to think about reemerging, right. To think about having this conversation and to think about um, how I want to recreate my life because it is different and there are different rules and you know grief is surprising it's you know it's often it's a Tuesday and you're mired in you know quotidian details and then suddenly you're you know you hear a song or you see something or a word it's usually a word someone says to me that my father used to say and then I'm on you know and then that's it you know that's it for the rest of the day I'm I'm you know in bed uh, I haven't, it hasn't happened recently, but there were many, many days where I was just in bed most of the day. And this is the first time I'm actually saying that out loud. I don't even think my family knew um, that I would, you know, I would get up and eat and get back into bed. And it would be four or five o'clock and I'd get up and walk around, you know, and um, maybe watch some Netflix or what have you, and then get back into bed. And so I think, I think everyone's path is different um, and, and it, it just doesn't end. You know, I, I don't, I, I just, I think you have to redefine how you move through life 
and I'm still, I'm just getting my, my sea legs. Is that the word? Like, I'm just getting my bearings to, to think about what it means to move without, without my father. So, and so everything just shut down and, and, um, you know, it, I just, I couldn't think about, it seems so, it seems so silly to me, you know, in the beginning, like, why would I want to do, why would I want to have conversations? Why would I want to talk to anybody? Everything is so, it's so silly. And, and I, I feel, I feel again, very fortunate that I could ruminate in sort of this, this bubble. I don't know how healthy it was um, for me, but I'm, I'm very, very, you know, it does, it does make my heart happy to be able to then reconnect, you know, with you and with other friends and start to feel life again. And it's, it's ironically, it coincides with, you know, vaccinations and, and, and the world opening up. And so um, there, there is a very nice synergy with, okay, I'm feeling a little better. I'm feeling like I can think about doing something, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I can see my friends and go to dinner and, and feel, you know, connection again and, and feel connected to, to the world. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of why we haven't done one of these guys in a while. Well, thank you for that response. I think you, you've touched on so many, so many, so many truths. And I think, from my, from what I have seen, from what I have felt, I actually think that taking to bed is a very common response mm-hmm. when you are just trudging through yeah. Yeah. it, um, and so that's that's not unusual at all. Do you think that there were emotions that you experienced um, going through this process that? surprised you in any way that that caught you even off guard um, yeah um and and I, I i said this but i want to reiterate because i think anyone including yourself who's gone through you know a significant loss you know it doesn't it, there's no ending you know i i there's no ending and so i think that uh, one of the the big emotions that hit me really hard was anger um almost immediately you know, it was, there was a numbness and that numbness continues to be quite honest, you know, um, but there was such a, what do you mean by numbness? I, I mean, truly, it's truly an, uh, I have less of a reaction to things that I used to, you know, really significantly less, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it could be perceived as being very calm, and, and very attuned with, with myself, but truly is, I don't, I, I've, I don't, I think I haven't allowed myself to really feel what it means to mm-hmm. not have my father here. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. coming on six months is the longest I've, I've gone without having him a part of my life. And so I haven't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling, and, and for anyone out there who's, who's felt this, you know, I feel you, you know, I, I feel that it's almost as if, if you let yourself go to a place where there is emotion, you, you, there's a fear that I just will completely 
you know, lose it. And I want, I think that's a place I need to get to. Right. And so the numbness and the protection and the um, sometimes lack of enthusiasm, quite honestly, is a protection of, you know, feel really feeling in my heart, you know, the loss, because I think you have to feel that to get to the point where you feel the love of that Mm. person, you know, um, I am very spiritual and I do consider myself connected to many worlds, if you will. And Mm -hmm. I think that if I can, if once I get to, you know, letting go of the numbness and allowing that feeling to come in, the other side of it will be beautiful. You know, there will be um, almost a, a recognition of his love and his, and his presence, you know, and his comfort. And so really, I, I, you know, after the anger, which was intense, I mean, I was angry at everyone and everything. And um, there's a real, you know, as a society I've found, and, you know, my, I don't have statistics and I'm going to say a statement that of course didn't, I didn't, I didn't have hundreds of people that I were interacting with. Let me be clear about that. But um, it's so interesting to me, society doesn't allow you to grieve. You know, they, they, people want you to get over it and move on really quickly. They, they want you to be the person that you were when they felt comfortable interacting with you when you were close, excuse me. And I, and I found in many conversations, whether that be about next steps in career or um, even personal conversations that, that some people, there was a very much a feeling of, well, you know, you know, they wouldn't come out and say this, but I felt as though they, the expectation was, well, you know, it, you'll you'll come out of it, and and it it'll it'll be okay, or um, yeah, it's been a few weeks, or it's been a few months, and I think that's really surprising to me because it's, it's surprising I, from a personal perspective from anyone that I felt that from, but I think collectively it's not that surprising as a country and a society right because i think that is we're rooted in sort of be strong and oh this was that was the other thing that a lot of people would tell me you got to be strong and it would piss me off d because it was almost as if them anyone saying to me be strong was not allowing me to feel what i needed to feel which was anything but strong you know, um, and also it's the question, be strong for whom? For you, because you can't handle seeing me fall apart or just because, yeah, it, it's why, why is that relevant? I think, you know, <laughs> I think it's, uh, it, it is, you know, I am the person that sort of, I think the family centers around and I, and I, I'm always the kind of go-to person. And so maybe it came from a place of you need to be strong for your family, mm-hmm. but that again, mm-hmm. doesn't allow an individual to feel what they really need to feel. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the only way out is through the only way out is through. And so when, when you're bombarded with messaging of um, be strong and should be over soon, you just, you know, I think that that contributed to the numbness because at some point you just, you block everything out and you, you don't want to be a part of any of those conversations. Um, but anger would be the emotion that was, they, you know, they say it's part of the grieving process, right? The five or now six steps of, of grief, but it came very quickly and, and it was frustrating um, 
for me because it's not an emotion that I, I really have often. <laughs> it's not, not in the last years. And I, and, you know, I don't know if you want to say anything about that. Too. <laughs> I feel like there's... Well, there, there are many things to say. First of all, I want to pause on the, the profoundness of what you just said. The only way out is through. And I think not only are we a, a death denying culture. Yeah. Big time. I think other cultures actually do it much more comprehensively and and honestly. Right. Even the obsession with looking young all the time mm-hmm. is a way of repressing the reality of this shit ain't permanent. Yeah. Um, but I also think that I can certainly relate to this feeling of not to having lost a parent. I, I don't know what that feels like. I can relate to a feeling of being so overwhelmed by this new experience of loss that it almost threatens my understanding of my survival. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know what? Um, I lost uh, my my nana, and and she she just she was my whole heart. Um, they talk about that period, you know, when children are uh, in those first two years uh, and not putting nobody's business in the street because uh, I'm sure my mom will listen to this. She just played such a huge role. You know, your parents are still trying to figure things out and, and Nana just swept in. So anyway, she, in many ways, I just was so connected to her. And when she passed, it was like, but her existence is a part of my understanding of what life is. It's, yeah. So what is this now? Yeah. And it just, it, it felt like it was threatening my existence. And so I switched into survival mode and it was just the basics. Yep. Um, and I realized I can get by on not sleeping properly. I should eat something at some point. Bathing is so optional. Um, and I guess at some point bills have to get paid. Anything outside of that, I was not trying to even engage. Yeah. Because it's like, it's, I imagine like being in like survival mode. You don't have time. You just trying to, to not no longer exist yeah. in a way. So when you speak about the numbness, that's why I asked you to elaborate because it, there's a familiarity there. Yeah. Um, and I know we had discussed this, but not on this platform. Um, this winter was a very difficult one um, for me. I had we lost two people, um, one to COVID, uh, in my family, and and this is recent, like in 2021, where mm-hmm. there's all this messaging around. You know, the worst is getting behind us and da, yeah. da, da, da. Although the beginning of the winter, we were still in the thick of it. It was January, February, March were bitter and cold and sad. Yeah. Um, and I, I had fighting medical issues. And at some point, I started to just weep routinely. Mm. Um, it would just, I would go throughout my work day and then make myself dinner and wash the dishes. And without fail, by the time I had gotten to like the second pan, 
I just started crying. And it wasn't just like the tear here and there. It was uncontrollable, hysterical sobbing for like 20 minutes, like falling on the floor, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm here by myself and ain't nobody around. And this is all I can do. Like my body is heaving. And the first time it happened, I was so exhausted. Then I just went to bed. Right. And then the next day, I didn't expect it to happen. But again, dinner, dishes, warm water, wave of just our minds are incredible, right? Because, you know, somewhere in there, it decided that that was the time for you to, to grieve and to sob, (laughs) you know, it found the opening and and you allowed that to happen. Yeah. And and this continued for five nights straight. Like it got to the point of like, I was afraid to do the dishes because (laughs) I'm going to be crying. Yeah. And, and I thought that I was having like a manic breakdown, uh, quite honestly. And, and what my therapist, thank heavens, uh, explained when I, I had like, what, what's I'm, I'm cracking up What is wrong. And she said, no, 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 this is really good because you're finally no longer repressing it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even recognize that there was anything that I was pushing down. You know why? Cause I got things to do. I have to continue to exist. I have to continue to get through a pandemic. I, I got a family that looks to me for strength. Like there's no, t- what are you talking about repressing? I'm not repressing anything. I'm just doing what I have to do. And that is such, I think a woman's refrain yeah. so often, especially a woman of colors, they ain't got time for emotion. But what I also learned in that period was that even though I was not consciously acknowledging um, how much I was suffering, my body the cells of my body was very much taking on and being compromised by Mm. the inability to release all of the hurt. And, and that has talked about a Bali moment um, when I really realized like my liver is failing because I'm furiously angry and I have not acknowledged that for years. Yeah. And I'm like, but anyway, um, well, there, there's a profound impact that emotions have on your body. Yeah. You know, I found myself Googling that often, you know, what does grief do to your body? Mm-hmm. You know, because everything was out of whack. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's not surprising. And I think, I think, you know, this is why we have so much trauma, uh, many of us. And this is getting into probably an entirely different conversation, but yeah, yeah. I, I do, I do, you know, I, I, I didn't, I had the, I had the luxury of time. I mean, I still do. I mean, I was not, there was nothing, there was very little or very few uh, sort of pulls on my time. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, sometimes my sister would say to me, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because you're not distracted, you know? And, and then the other times I would think, well, maybe this will help me move through, you know, faster because I'm not distracted and I'm not repressing and I'm not pushing it down. Um, but I think we're all, we're all so different in that aspect, but I, I think it's absolutely, you know, I don't think wonderful is the right word, but it, it must've been such a relief to be able to start to, to, to bring those feelings up. It was, know, fr- to, it was frightening. Yeah. Like it, it didn't feel good until it was explained to me. Yeah. Because I really thought that I was going crazy. Mm-hmm. And then when I wasn't judging myself for feeling what felt to me like weakness, then it started to feel like a weight was being lifted. Yeah. 
um, it's, you know, it's almost like uh, you can accustom yourself to just, I imagine I've never been to Alaska, but you can accustom yourself to just living in the gray all mm -hmm. the time. But then once, even like coming out of, you know, winter time here, but then once the sun comes, you're like, oh my gosh, I have missed you sunlight, yeah. warm temperatures, thank the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's kind of how it, it started to feel like, you know, I was, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm speaking a language of depression. Yeah. You, know, you can accustom yourself and you get, you can be functionally depressed. I know I can. Mm -hmm. Does it mean that that's the optimal state of being? Um, and I certainly have much more of a, of a recognition and gratitude for when it starts to lift. Yeah. Oh my God, I was pretty damn low, wasn't I? But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that something that's somewhat similar um, in terms of just my confusion about us moving out of this state, I think there is such an, and to your point about we're not a culture that is allowed to grieve. I don't know if we're really being allowed to grieve what this pandemic has done to the country, to individual families, to the world, because right now it feels as though there is such a tremendous rush to, and I do this with air quotes for those who are listening, get back to normal. And when I first started to hear that, it was around the time that my aunt had just passed and, and she I mean, she went quickly. I mean, mm -hmm. in the hospital on a Wednesday and passed on a Tuesday. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, on, on that Saturday. Um, and it just, it it infuriated me. See, now I'm, I'm becoming much yeah. more um, able to identify when the anger rises in me. It infuriated me to just see those commercials or hear those, you know, things on, on yeah. television about just get your vaccine and we can get back to life. And I mean, really enraged. I'm, I'm really trying not to use the choice words. Oh, familiar, familiar. <laughs> but I got it. how yep. dare you? How dare you? There is no going back. That's how it feels to me. How dare you try to say that there will be any version of life from 2019 when there are people who have transitioned? We are in a different world. That's how my world feels different. It the society feels different. It, it just, I mean, I get it. There's an economy to save. There's, there are jobs to save. There's kids that got to get back to school. I get it. I just wish, I, I wish that the narrative was more about this is our new path forward and it can integrate so much of what life used to have, you know, going to a restaurant but without think, a mask, but hold that I think we, on. I think we have that choice, right? Like, you know, we, we have the choice, just like we've always had the choice to, to live by our own rules and, and follow our own individual path. That messaging, again, it falls in line with, if we deviate from um, what we define America to be, you know, if you remember during the, the heaviest times of the pandemic, you know, um, I, you know, last spring, last summer, even last fall, the, there was so much messaging around, hey, you know, we don't ever want to go back to the way things were. Um, this has allowed us to pause. We've mm -hmm. spent time with our families. And so some of this, quite honestly, is just junk. You know, it's just fodder in the media because the media has really nothing else to talk about. 
you know, and collectively, we are not one of awakening. There are many people that are moving in that direction. And so I think, I think I, I could completely understand, um, I completely understand what you're saying. It's been one of the reasons why I stopped watching the news. Um, it, because it, it, that messaging is, is, it's messed up. I mean, it's much stronger than messed up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Messed up. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but sometimes we don't have what I can identify with you when you say, you know, it aggravated you. Sometimes we just don't have the energy to fight it, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. we're not surrounded by enough of those people that really feel as though um, we should approach life differently. And, and so I think, you know, that that's, it's, it's an individual path and you have to connect with those that sort of feel the same way. And that's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to do in, in this type of economy. It's hard to do in America. It's hard to do with the messaging that we've, we've um, experienced, but I'm hoping there's enough of a um, understanding of what we gained in that time of being, you know, slow and, and precious and connecting with family Um because I, it doesn't, it didn't take, it never took loss for me to understand how important that is and how important it is to surround yourself in, in situations that really feed your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it I, it's terrible. <laughs> There's just like, yeah. you know, um, we, we've got stories to tell. You know, I, I remember, I don't know why that this is a totally deviant topic, but I used to, um, maybe people out there who, or even you, do you know how many television shows talk about death? It's more specifically death of a parent. I would, and and I don't know why I never noticed it before, but every single thing I would engage with in terms of let me escape into the world of storytelling, like inevitably, whether it was the first five minutes or towards the end of the show, I'm like, really? (laughs) It's like all over the place. Bambi traumatized me. And then (laughs) The Land Before Time. I was boycotting cartoon movies in the 80s on that because have, Disney movies, they tend to have a lot of orphans. I'll just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, oh. I think, I think we are, you know, well, we don't allow, we don't allow grieving, but we certainly allow the experiences to be told that lead up to grieving. You know, mm, we, we push that, that storytelling gets out there so often because it's a good story, you know, and it creates drama. But we have to we have to figure out ways to have that conversation, you know, and allow people. I don't you know, I, I had mentioned earlier that um, the work situation also um, ended and, and I, I really couldn't imagine going back to work. We're going back to normal, you know, mm-hmm. after something like that. And so, you know, to your point, what we went through as as a collective with COVID also needs to be grieved, you know. And so people saying, get back to work and you can do whatever. It's kind of, it's crazy. I don't know, Dee. Well, I think I don't know that, a lot of things, you know, actually. <laughs> you know some things, girl. And I would say you do know a lot of things. Um, some and a lot, whatever you want to call that. But I think that Every and we this is a part of you know the theme of the Bali effect. Yeah. You have these experiences in life that really do change the direction that you're heading in, or they yeah. change the way that you just process what's coming at you. That really does leave an indelible mark. You don't go back to what it, you can't unlearn it. You can't unexperience it. But what's so ex- interesting about the podcast and the Bali effect is our sort of mission and purpose was to talk about the things that 
you know, maybe we didn't say we're self-initiated, but they were always on the positive. And what what occurred mm. to me, right? There were always things that, yeah. oh, this made me this experience. This was my Bali effect moment, and this moment allowed me to, you know, open a restaurant or be comfortable with who I am or discover this or move to a different country. And, and those type of experiences are exciting, right? You, you have feel good. They feel good. You have a playbook. You say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And now I know, and I have this purpose and it's, you know, and when you, you know, you have to go through the same steps when you, when you lose someone. You, it is a Bali moment because you can no longer go back to who you were. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't even matter if you want to. It just simply doesn't exist. And so, what's so interesting to me about about you know our mission and the Bali effect is that you know how do you? Maybe I'm asking. You know, I'm asking. I don't know the answer, right? I don't. I don't know actually how to create the playbook when I wasn't prepared. You know, when when there's a moment that completely obliterates your 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 history of life, it completely changes the way you view everything and everyone, and you have to redefine it. I don't think there is a way to prepare. Yeah, I really don't. In the same way that you know, people who have children say they thought they knew what being a parent was like, and then this human comes into your life and you just throw the book out and it's like okay just just keep it alive and whatever the expectations are out the window at the same time I think that because there's so much accepted suppression of just the topic itself right that it it cannot, it can't be helpful for when the experience does does come. And for example, I have a book on my bookshelf by an author who I absolutely adore. She's a Broadway star, of course, I love it. Uh, she lost her father as a teenager and Al Silber is her name, check her out. Um, and she wrote about it in a book called White Hot Grief Parade. And I love her work and I, I just adore her. And I remember buying it in support and still could not bring myself to begin reading it. Mm. It's still sitting on my shelf because the idea of processing that thought is too frightening for me. And I want to honor that just for a moment because it never occurred to me that it would be frightening to anyone, you know, and I, and I think that when I went through, you know, these last few months and and maybe didn't hear from people that I thought I would hear from or didn't hear what I wanted to hear from people. um, I was, that was fueling my anger. And I think that, there's a certain amount, if you can find it in your grief, there's a certain amount of grace you need to allow people because um, I'm not sure I never knew. I always knew what to say to people. You know, I'm not sure that I showed up for people in a way that I thought people would show up for me, but it is frightening to think about. Mm-hmm. It, it's horrifying actually. And, and, you know, and in some ways 
you know, my father's passing was the first in my life of such profound loss and grief. And you question your own mortality, question everyone's, you know, there, there's a certain understanding that life will continue, but that you will also continue to lose people in your life, right? And that is terrifying. And so, you know, once I came out of the anger, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think for me to recognize and again, hold a little bit of grace for, for those that maybe didn't show up in the way that I thought that they would, um, you know, that it's frightening and, and you don't want to be confronted with it. I don't want to be confronted with it, you know, and, and it's, it's really, it's really tough. And it's also something that I have not to the same degree. Um, uh, we just, my father's sister just passed away and my cousins, um, their mother, you know, she's, she's no longer here. And in speaking to one of my cousins, she said, like, I have no recollection of who I spoke to the last several days. And I know I've been talking to people, but I don't even yeah. know what I've said. And in saying that, she was recognizing that she was going to need to extend grace to herself yeah. because she's processing, you know, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And things come, and I'm not trying to put business out. I think that it was very profound to me to hear her acknowledge that and I've, I know I have felt this too myself, that the hurt almost creates a different lens through which you're seeing what is happening. Yeah. And so she's like, did, did we speak? And I was like, I, I was, I, I came to your house. I brought food, but and she's like, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. No, because I, it, just, it changes everything. Everything. You know, I, <laughs> But I don't think I remember anything at all, truly. And, you know, to anyone listening, I don't remember anything prior to two weeks ago. That yeah. is really honestly. And, you know, as I'm starting to feel uh, as I emerge and I feel a little bit more energy in, in, in engaging with life, I either see emails or I read texts and I think, who wrote that? You know, it, it makes it's it's sort of it's humorous actually. Some of the things that I've seen, that I've written or responded to, um, I think it's a, your mind's way of protecting. You know, if you if you were so present and you were able to respond and know exactly what was going on, I think that tremendous grief and loss would hit you um, very hard. I, mm -hmm. I think it would it mm -hmm. would really it would knock knock the life out of you. Truly, honestly. You know that surfer uh, who had who was attacked by the shark, yes, and they yeah. bit her arm off. Yeah, she describes how when that happened, she didn't feel anything, and I'm yeah. like, "You lost your arm. How did?" You? But the brain, like, there's a, a genius of how our bodies operate, and I think mm -hmm. definitely how our souls operate, where it knows what we're capable of yeah. processing at certain times, and when it's like. You, you can't receive this pain right now. You need to get yourself to some help. 
And that was it. And she's like, the pain came much later because yeah. you just got bit by a shark. Yeah. But I think our human psyche, uh, there's there's something uh, synonymous. Is that the word? I don't know. I've been losing my language. Too. That's the other piece of I'm not doing the podcast. I'm like, what's what's that word? What's that word? Um, something else that you mentioned. Oh, uh, I don't want us to not off, you know, be a little bit constructive in the conversation because we're we always come up on. I know. Um, can you? share if you have any any you know any any knowledge of was there a moment that you can recall where you started to say to yourself maybe doing not just the podcast but maybe trying something that feels good might be a good thing for me to consider wasn't so much a moment as it was a feeling. You know, I think I feel very fortunate to have discovered, you know, meditation and EFT and certain techniques and yoga that really helped me through. Um, what is help. EFT for those? Who oh, know. EFT actually, it's, it's emotional freedom technique. It's tapping, if anyone's heard of tapping. And it just, it's, it's verbiage that goes along with tapping certain um, acupressure points on your body that allows you to sort of release the emotion, mm -hmm. you know, in a very simplistic way, it calms you down. And so you can talk through whatever emotion is pertinent or angst you have, whatever it is, sorrow, depression, um, and try and move th through that. But I don't, I, I, if you were to ask me sort of a, a Bali moment, a pivotal moment where I thought, let's, let's start, it, it didn't come like that. It wasn't like, you know, similar to your washing uh -huh. dishes. Well, I don't wash dishes, but, you know, similar to loading the dishwasher where I was like, you know what, today's the day. I think it came very gradually and very slowly. Um, it, it, getting vaccinated um, and making a decision to get on a plane, I think. Where'd you go? Catapulted that a little bit faster. Um, I went to Tulum, Mexico. I, you know, I really felt, and I still feel very strongly, the need to be very close to nature and the ocean and quiet and trees. And, and I just wanted to go someplace familiar where um, I could breathe. You know, I, I felt that feeling for so long, for months, I couldn't breathe. Um, and I think the act of doing something that I loved you know, in fact, the anticipation of the trip was far greater than the actual moments that I was there, to be quite honest. But, you know, booking the trip and going to the airport, you know, getting on the plane, uh, being on the plane was a little slightly disturbing. Um, that was that was a little anxiety. But, you know, I, I think that and that was only two weeks ago. So I think that helped me, you know, probably was a little bit ready. Quite honestly, I don't know. I'll be, you know, maybe I was just you know, there comes a point where you, I've always been someone who likes to move forward and to do things and experience life. And I think there was a, there might've been a point where I thought my dad would be really disappointed if I just kept sleeping all day. You know, I mean, he would, he'd be, I don't know that he would say I'm disappointed that you're sleeping all day, but he'd be like, get out of bed, <laughs> you know, mm. like stop being so lazy. And so um, you just, you have to, feel when you're ready. And I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that, oh, you know, it's been six months and I've stopped grieving. That's not it at all. You know, I, I felt really, really sad this morning. It's just that 
those waves, people often talk about grief and waves. Those mm-hmm. waves are, mm-hmm. so, you know, someone sent me this wonderful email uh, probably a day or two after. And, you know, he said, I, I, some, I read this. <laughs> he said, I want to, I'm copying piece. I'm going to copy this section of a Reddit comment <laughs> that really helped me after my mom died. And it was, uh, someone asked about grief and the answer was it's like waves you know at first the waves come and they hit you when you fall and they're 100 feet and and you just you you're grasping for breath and you don't know if you're going to be able to get up from the wave and then as time progresses the waves keep coming but they're smaller and you know they're coming and the and you get up faster you know or you know how to stand or you jump the wave and i think that that really resonated with me at the moment because in my mind, I thought, okay, there, someone out there knows that it will lessen this, this feeling. And it wasn't pain. It was just um, really deep, deep, deep sadness. And I, I will, I will say, I'm not out of that. You know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not the person I was, but it just, it just felt really the last two weeks, you know, I, I felt the need to just move. To, to move a little bit and to progress a little bit and to quite honestly not be so lazy. It's not lazy. <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows this, but I'm super lazy. You are not lazy. You are processing. There's a difference. There is a I, difference. Uh, what do you, you know, I know, see, we only have a few minutes left, but um, I, there's one thing I do want to say, and then I want to ask you a question. And that is, I think even in the darkest moments of grief, um, I think that I think that you come out of it and there's always a learning. You know, I, I just want to tell anyone, like, it doesn't last forever. I felt at moments that I couldn't do it anymore. It, that, that didn't mean I was going to take any action, but I just, when for me, when I say I can't do it anymore, it's really me, like, going to sleep at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, mm-hmm. or or just not talking to anybody. Um, it gets It gets a little better, but... What do you what do you think the next six months look like for you, for the Bali effect, for for life? You know, it's a big question that we're not going to tackle in five minutes, but I kind of want to end on a little bit of a positive note. Well, I I can quickly answer that. I don't know. (laughs) I wish I wish I could say, oh, and I want to do this. And yeah, there are things that I hope come together. Lord knows. But. What I will say is I remember bringing it back to Bali. We climbed Mount that, that volcano at three o'clock in the Mm -hmm. morning, in the morning. And it was quite a hike. And we had those (laughs) like headlights on, like uh, what was Fraggle Rock? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we're climbing this intense volcano in pitch darkness and I remember there was a certain point where you're like three quarters of the way. And I mean, we'd have been hiking for like two hours at that point. And and a lot of people just stop, but then it gets even steeper if you want yeah. to get to the summit. And for whatever reason, I'm, you know, wanting that. I want to go to the top. And of course, Ryan and Mikhail are like, yeah, we're going to the top. Yeah, it was only you three. I, at that point, I was like, I'm not getting up. They're crazy. Yes. And so I, had I known how hard it was going to be, I would have been fine with the view from where we were. But, you know, I'm thinking I'm on the other side of the world. Let me just keep on going. They say it's like another hour. We'll, we'll do it. 
And man, I was whooped. I was Mm. whooped within like 15 minutes. I mean, just physically, I had nothing left. And everything was, every step was painful. And I remember the gentleman who was our guide. um, I think his name, he was a Neoman. And he was- Everyone was a Neoman. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But I just, I was like, I can't go anymore. And he just- extended his hand to me. He didn't even yeah. say a word. Right. He just, extended. he was great. Yes, he was. And he's like, you know, walking, like he's skipping down the sidewalk. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm like r- climbing vertically. It wasn't, this was like mountain climbing on yeah. ash. So my foot's slipping, I'm falling, I'm dirty. And he just gave me his hand. And he, then eventually he told, and I hung on to that thing for, I mean, I would say white knuckles, but more like tan knuckles because my hand is brown. But <laughs> I was holding so hard because it it was the only feeling of something strong to yeah. help get me through it. And I held on for dear life. And about, I don't know, five or 10 minutes of just silent climbing, he said, we only have two more steps to go. Just two more steps to go, left and right. Mm. And I just... I have held on to that experience so many times and I've translated it to some of my darkest moments in life. Don't think about what it's going to be, you know, don't think about the destination, just focus on what is immediately ahead of you right now, left foot, right foot, because the combination of those eventually are going to get you to where you want to go. And in the depths of, my hurt and and sorrow and illness this past winter, I had to just break everything down to, I've just got two steps left, sunrise to sunset. And that's all like any, if anybody asked me about like what was happening that weekend, I ought like anxiety just like took over for me. And, And quite candidly, I still am somewhat in that zone. Not as much, not as much, certainly feeling much better but it's hard for me to think too far out. I'm just trying to get to, you know, the end of the day, maybe the weekend. <laughs> so I could tell you. And I and I think that's okay. I mean, I certainly have no 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 plan. And gosh, I tell you that trip had so many learnings still today. You know, yeah. it, many many times throughout the past six months, it was the only place I wanted to go. You know, it was the only thing I wanted to do was be in Bali which is surprising. I think someone asked me that question and they said, oh, probably Bombay. No, it was Bali, you know, because it was such a healing moment and a transformative one. But similar to your, you know, Neomans left and right, you know, for me, it's the breath. It's mm. just, it's truly yes, phenomenal how coming back to that breath can ground you immediately and remind you that um, contrary to my question a few minutes ago, that it is the present moment, you know, that, that yeah. you, you can, you're okay. If, if you just inhale and exhale, you're fine. And, and even if everything else is shit, just breathe. And, and it is what it is. Um, I, I don't want, you know, us to, to leave the folks hanging um, because we're still figuring things out. Mm-hmm. But um, Preeti, in terms of, this project, you know, I have told you many times if, if, it, if at any point it doesn't work, yeah. I'm very proud of what we have 
accomplished mm-hmm. and and the people that we have gotten to listen to and speak with it, it really it's one of the coolest yeah most proudest achievements that I've got I certainly hope that we can uh pick something up but I'm still getting things together so I, I don't know what we do from going forward I'm well, grateful I, that we got to have this time together yeah I think I don't I don't think the Bali effect is done you know in my heart I don't think we're quite done um, but what that looks like and and how that manifests and and the timing on that I think is is you know very much in line with the theme that we just went through which is one breath at a time you know it's how we arrived at this moment to have this conversation. Yeah, um, there was no, there was no, there was nothing. I mean, we, we, we didn't talk about it. There was no decision. I know people asked me about it. You know, people asked if I was going to do it. And I just said, I'm not doing anything. That was my standard answer. No, I'm mm-hmm. not doing anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that, you know, left and right, inhale and exhale. And I, I think that we'll, we'll certainly, um, certainly arrive at the point that is meant for us. And, and, you know, in the event that it's not something we do, I think we'll have a very, very lovely, you know, end to it. And I don't think we'll just disappear, but I, I don't think it's quite done yet. And I feel that, I feel that in my gut. And to, to say that is pretty extraordinary because it's like the only feeling I have at the moment where I'm like, Oh, I think this is amen. Something. Right. And so, amen. and so, yeah, we'll be back. I think. All right. Well, folks, tune in. Well, I guess stay more like stay tuned. Uh, Keep breathing, folks. Just keep keep breathing. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. And until the next time, we thank you for your love, your support, your prayers, and we send you all the same right back to you. Bye. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, follow us on Instagram, the underscore Bali underscore effect. And we'll see you there. Thank you. Bye. Check us out.